You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Realize that there's a lot of managed money out there that automatically is set up to start selling stocks and commodities for fear of a recession when the yield curve inverts. I'm Bill Powers. This is Mining Stock Education. I'm speaking today with my friend Chris Temple from nationalinvestor.com. He is an economic and political commentator, also writes a newsletter that I'd encourage you to check out at his website. I'll link to his website and Twitter uh, connection in the show notes below. Chris, welcome back onto the program. And it is turbulent times. You know, I don't remember the late 70s, but I'm sure you do. I know you've talked in the past where what we're, you're expecting we'll experience now is not the late 70s, but because of the last two weeks, do you think it might mirror the late 70s, at least in part? I'll tell you what, in, in recent few, the recent few months and even weeks, Bill, it sure seems like we're going in that direction. Uh, the biggest similarity, frankly, in my view, is that Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is repeating in spades the policy mistake that Arthur Burns did in the 1970s. And that's what kicked off several years worth of double digit inflation back then. His excuse for cheapening the dollar and having interest rates too low and so forth was that he was trying to lessen the shock on the economy from the Arab oil embargo. What he did instead was he enabled higher prices because look, when you think about it, with that, with that embargo, we were not going to get that oil anytime soon, no matter what the Fed did, right? So all that, that Arthur Burns managed to accomplish was to cheapen a dollar and drive everything that's denominated in dollars, including oil, higher than it would have gone otherwise. And the Federal Reserve under Jerome Powell has done exactly the same thing. They had to lessen the sting from the pandemic. And so 30% approximately, of all the dollars ever created have come out in the last two years. And that has, that's really what kicked off all of these price rises. Um, recently, they've been exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, no question. But that wasn't the cause of it all. Jerome Powell was the cause of it all, even if uh, Sleepy Joe yesterday and some other people want to tell us now that uh, all these price rises are all Vladimir Putin's fault, which is nonsense. Uh, so that's what we're getting. And so, yes, I, I, I wouldn't have said this six months or a year ago, but yes, we are getting back to the 1970s and where it's going to really get ugly besides the price rises is when those price increases crater the economy, but, the, but cratering the economy won't make the inflation go away right away. And that's where we're going to get our stagflation. Chris, uh, growing up as a boy, I would visit my grandfather in Southwest Michigan. Uh, he had a business in Chicago, then retired to Southwest Michigan. He built that home in the late 70s. So I remember vividly, he has a gas tank in the ground and then he has his own pump. So I always remember that as a boy and my grandfather would explain to me the gas shortages and so forth. And that's why he put this in the ground out in the country. So I'm bringing up oil in this context. Oil is like, a, I think, a 125 a barrel or something like that right now. I mean, what does this signify in terms of a recession? And should we expect high prices? Because isn't oil, high oil prices usually coinciding with the war cycle as well? Well, they can. But again, the proximate cause of the inflation in oil and everything else has been the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve in the past 
when it allowed these uh, increases in oil and everything else for that matter to get too far out of hand, they belatedly react. They end up overreacting. And that overreaction uh, of raising interest rates and tightening monetary policy causes a recession. Now, what's interesting this time, and we're going to learn tomorrow, uh, Thursday, you and I recording this on Wednesday, tomorrow, we're very likely to get yet another blowout number, yet another new 40-year high year over year in CPI. It could exceed 8%. Next year, the talk already is that we're going to be in the double digits because that will fully reflect the spike in the oil price. Uh, Yet at this point, the Federal Reserve, which I would have said and did say before uh, the Ukrainian invasion, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, that uh, the Fed might be a little bit tighter on things than maybe some of us were thinking. They now have an excuse not to do it still. So we'll get a quarter of a point rate hike uh, a week from today. Uh, Wednesday, you know, next Wednesday, uh, and we'll get successive 25 basis point rate hikes. Maybe later on, if things uh, settle down uh, and the Fed is still playing catch up, we'll we'll throw in a 50. Um, But there's still going to be way, way behind the curve. And when you think about it, even as the Fed begins to act, real interest rates are becoming ever more negative as the inflation numbers go up and they don't do anything. So, you know, it it may not be, Bill, the Fed directly via rate hikes that causes a downturn in the economy, but it will be the unsustainability of these price increases and everything that we're seeing that, that at some point must cause consumers and businesses to pull their horns in. What are you seeing in the yield curve? What is that indicating to you? Well, I'll tell you what's what's fascinating to me right now. And, you know, we're all every time you turn around, uh, the the cycle doesn't repeat like it did in the past. Uh, The business cycle has been totally bastardized by the Fed. It's nothing like it used to be. So we have to come up with a new playbook all the time. And in the past, what would usually happen, you know, there was this old saying when the Fed would get finally and belatedly on one of these tightening gambits, uh, the old saying was two steps and a stumble that the first couple of rate hikes by the Fed may not do much harm, but then you get three and four and more, and, and then you do see a stumble in the markets and in the economy. And it's astonishing to contemplate right now, because the Fed has so skewed things to begin with, that the yield curve even now is not real. Interest rate levels are not real. The, the idea that we're still below 2%, when inflation on a 10-year treasury note, when inflation is eight is lunacy. Um, but it could be just one single rate hike next week that inverts the yield curve. Now, you have we'll have to take that with a grain of salt, Bill, because again, the Fed has has got its heavy thumb on the scale, and a lot of these numbers just aren't real uh in in, in the real world. But one of the things all of us as investors, and I have to throw this in, especially if you're big in a lot of the commodity trades, realize that there's a lot of managed money out there that automatically is set up to start selling stocks and commodities for fear of a recession when the yield curve inverts. Doesn't It's not going to be people as much as you might think that make this decision. So we all have heard about algorithms 
on Wall Street and about how so many mutual funds, so many hedge funds, so many directional traders, they use these algorithms uh, with these preconceived notions. Well, the preconceived notion being that if the yield curve does invert, no matter what inflation still is, and this is part of the idiocy and, and really the abnormalities of the time that we're in, if the Fed raises rates a quarter of a point or more as, as time goes on, and yet because of the lingering concerns over foreign issues in Ukraine and God forbid China decides that, you know, hey, we can do this too, they'll take Taiwan, and you get a rush to safety and that pushes down the long end to invert the yield curve, automatically you're going to see oil sold, you're going to see gold sold, you're going to see uh, nickel, which has screamed higher this week. A lot of these things will get hit. Now, long term, these are all still great places to be. So the best buying opportunity is still ahead of us, potentially, you're saying, for commodities investors. It could be. Look, I've uh, thankfully, I've got a pretty heavy commodity exposure in many different areas uh, among my recommendations. At the same time, we've had a little bit of a a ballast, if you will, from a few of the inverse ETFs. So they've all been working pretty nicely lately. And we're going forward uh, with our portfolio, which which is nice during times like this. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that even though you can be buying good individual stories and hanging on to them, regardless of what happens, if you have traded, especially into any leverage plays, into a lot of the commodity complex, you got to have a foot toward the exit door right now. You know, you, you're, you're going to see in the next several days, you're going to have two signals as to what the Fed might do. The, the CPI number out tomorrow, Thursday. And uh, next week's Fed meeting, the the Fed uh, will see how tough they actually decide to talk. We'll see what the so-called dot plot is. I think deep down, they still are convincing themselves or trying to that a lot of this stuff will just run into a wall and that of its own accord or of their own accord, I guess I should say, prices for a lot of things will inevitably come down as the economy bogs down. And these soaring commodity prices will do the job for the Fed without ha- them having to raise interest rates as much. I think that's what they want. I think that's what is in the back of their mind. But here again, they they sold you know they they sold the wind themselves, and they're reaping the whirlwind. We're all getting it, you know. And contrary to this utter nonsense out of the president's mouth and others, it has been the Fed number one. And this administration, number two, that with oil specifically and energy specifically, have made a bad situation much, much worse. You know, I said a long time ago, as you know, that we were on a course for new energy crisis, which is only just beginning. Even still, we're going to be paying Canadian, if not European, prices for gasoline and eventually for utilities in this country. And we're not going to be a whole lot farther toward this green economy of everybody driving EVs and EVs and using solar panels and stuff like that, because the present administration has greatly harmed our own domestic and regional ability to to do these things. They killed twin metals in Minnesota. They've thrown new monkey wrenches in a polymet, the resolution copper mine in and others in Arizona. Trilogy metals recently too, Chris. Trilogy, Met- Trilogy Metals in Alaska, they t- they said, wait Another a second, one. we gave you your permit. Uh, let, let us look at this again, which is uh, totally unfair. 
Yeah, and the president's interior secretary can't sleep at night because she hasn't yet shut down Energy Fuels White Mesa Mill in Utah, which is the only mill in this country that can process conventional uranium ores and is now processing, at least part of the the, the way, a rare earth element uh, material, both of which we desperately need, all of which the president claimed he wants to start to reinvigorate again is, is you know, the answer for us, you know, being where we don't belong. Uh, that's a whole different story in Ukraine and Europe and causing problems for the whole damn world where energy is concerned. So we'll see. But we're, you know, what, what I was painting is a bad picture of a new energy crisis just has been squared by events of the last few weeks. Well, Chris, um, I'm going to be participating in a conference that you have coming up in Chicago, Friday and Saturday, May 6th and 7th. You've entitled it North American Green Energy Themes, Investing in the Great Stagflation. Now, you came up with that name before the last two weeks. Is that still the title and still the focus in light of recent events? Uh, ever more so, <laughs> Bill. That's right. You know, this, uh, I'll, I'll be really brief here. This is a rebranding of the long-running Chicago Resource Expo. My good friend of a lot of years, Rich Redez, who used to be a retail broker, had it in his heart way back going to the late 1970s to be one of the first people to put together. I think it was him and Blanchard, really. Jim Blanchard, late Jim Blanchard, who put together resource and even precious metal-specific uh, symposiums and uh, went on for a long time. Like all of us now, we're, uh, we're we're trying to get back more into the normal routine of in-person conferences and so forth. And it was a really good time to rebrand this. So not only are we going to have the macro discussions, you're going to be there. I'm happy to say for that. Uh, so all of everybody out there in the audience, you know, register, come and see Bill and I and lots of other people. So we'll have the macro discussion understanding how to invest across the board in times like this. Precious metals, base metals, green energy, a lot of story stocks. I'm going to have a couple exciting biotech and medical technology companies there as well. Um, and, and yes, the big, the big thing that we've added theme-wise is this whole area of green energy because there is not a bigger issue today that intersects both public policy and investing than does you know what we use as a catch-all term, green energy, you can call it. Battery metals, critical mineral supply chains, uh, whatever you want to paint it with. And again, aside from labor costs, which are going to continue to rise, that's one of the big changes compared to the last 40 years of disinflation, an era which is now over. Um, besides labor costs, the biggest input is energy costs into inflation. Uh, and, and it's, you know, we're only seeing the beginning of this, folks, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and this was already the process, the road we were going down before Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, and this has just made things, you know, worse and, and has revealed even more the vulnerability that we uniquely have. And in one sense, even though we, we, we've hit this hornet's nest over there with a baseball bat for years, to lead to where we're at today, we still are somewhat insulated in this country. You look at natural gas, especially, and, and gosh, you, you look at the prices are paying in Asia and Europe, it's through the roof. And we're in still relatively good shape here, even exporting some gas, and we'll be exporting even more of it. Uh, a couple of my recommendations are based on that thing. But, you know, it's a matter of time before, especially if the Fed doesn't act to try and put at least some of this inflation 
toothpaste back in the tube, those prices are going to be dragged up to be more like what they are elsewhere also. So lots of moving parts. You know, we're, we're getting into stagflation. It's going to be far more extreme, as I said earlier, than what I would have expected. So hyper stagflation. We just need to change that in the title. The great <laughs> hyper stagflation. <laughs> I don't know about hyper. And, I'll, you know, the reason for that is that there's another old saw that says, uh, you know, that asked the, the question, what happens when an irresistible force meets an immovable object? The irresistible force is that so many commodities have such fundamentally screamingly bullish setups because supplies are short, demand has come back, uh, a lot of these different things. We, when we could go into them individually and take all the rest of this day to do that. But the immovable object is that at some point, Joe Sixpack and Sally Soccer Mom or the business owner say, enough. One quick anecdote on this. To, Chris, to really I'm already buy- hearing that with gas prices here. I can't tell you how many times yeah. today people said, I don't want to drive anymore. Okay. 450 a gallon where I'm at. No, the point comes where you, the, the, you, know, you can always raise prices as far as the market will bear. The question is, how much more will the market bear? I did an interview on a radio show a few weeks ago, and one of the people that called in is a farmer from southeastern Wisconsin. And he, he plant, I forget exactly what it was, but it's grain. He's, he's a grain farmer and, and all farmers by and large, the, the routine at the, this time of year is that you've got your nut for the year that you've got to account for all of your upfront costs and you have different ways you finance it and so forth. He told us myself and, and Drew Mariani, the show host, he told us that a year ago, his upfront costs for 2021 we're in a neighborhood of $225,000. Do you know what his upfront costs are for this year, one year later? 390000 Yeah. Okay. And that's because of fertilizer primarily, right? And grain. It seed. is. Yeah. It is. I mean, part of, one of the consequences of all of this, and again, Europe is already feeling this far more acutely than we are, but we will feel it. There will start to be more consequences. Fertilizer costs have already, in Europe, resulted in a lot of mid-sized and smaller farmers just closing their doors. You, you can't pass on these kind of costs that are this extreme. So you've already got food shortages. We, we see in our country, you know, a little bit of that here and there, but in relative terms so far, at least, not to the extent that they have it overseas, but there is a risk of that happening. So, I mean, this, this is something, and again, uh, you know, it, it saddens me that whether you consider yourself a Democrat or Republican, a liberal or conservative, you know, the majority of the people in this country are so shallow in their thinking and so uninformed and misinformed. You know, if Fox News told you as a conservative that the moon is made out of Swiss cheese, you'll believe it. And you'll call you'll you'll throw names at anybody that that argues with that. Likewise, if you're a Democrat, you watch MSNBC or CNN and they tell you the moon is made out of Swiss cheese. Well, if you don't, you know, if you don't believe that, well, you're a Trumper and a neo-Nazi and you're you're whatever. Okay. The fact is that we have a monetary system in this country that needs to be replaced. It has caused all of these problems that we have. Vladimir Putin is not the chairman of the Federal Reserve nor is he the president of the United States that is shutting things down that we need to become energy independent. Now, there are some you know, glimmers in just the last few days that maybe some of the more sane people around the president 
are going to, you know, seize him back from the loony left. And maybe we will see to our own domestic needs. But but I don't know. You know, not now. What are we going to do? We're going to replace Vladimir Putin's oil with that from Nicolas Maduro and Venezuela and from Iran. You know, allegedly, there's there's a story that the president may actually travel physically to Saudi Arabia to beg and plead and scrape for more oil because they won't take his phone calls over there. I mean, this this is a sad state of affairs that we're in and it's going to affect us all. We're going to we're going to learn again, Bill, as people did during the Depression. And I'm not necessarily forecasting a you know multi-year environment like that, at least at this point. But we're going to learn to distinguish between needs and wants. And just like the folks that you talk with, you know, uh, how many times are you going to take your boat out? I saw I saw a, a thing at a, at a marina in California where gas was just a whisker under $10 a gallon. So you better have a lot of scratch if you want to get out and play in the boat this weekend. Oh, that's a great point, Chris. Well, there's opportunities and there's risks. You've heard us talk through a number of them here, but if you want to meet me and Chris in person, uh, we'll be at the conference May 6th and 7th in Chicago. And I will link to that in the show notes below, as well as Chris's website and subscription service. Chris, thanks for coming on the show today and sharing your insights. Hey, anytime, Bill. I look forward to seeing you in person. Uh, not, not too many weeks since we're down just under two months. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.